the uh, revelation gifts. And so we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and his gifts and, um, and the ministries of the Holy Spirit. So the gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit. And so we came out of talking about uh, the anointing and, and, of course, you know, <clears throat> you can't even continue to mention these things and talk about these things without referencing uh, the importance of being anointed. Uh, if you're, <laughs> if you're gonna, if you're going to get over there in the gifts in the gifts of the Spirit, you're gonna have to be anointed in order to function in those gifts. So uh, throw First uh, Corinthians chapter twelve up there, Joe, and um, let's just read it so that we uh, we have a, a place to launch from. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that you were that you were pagans. Uh, when you were pagans, you were led, led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. <clears throat> and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in every one. Amen. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Praise the Lord. For to one is given through the Spirit uh, the utterance of wisdom, and another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing uh, by, the sa by, by the one Spirit. Uh, to, uh, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, uh, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Amen. Uh, for just as the body uh, is one and has many members and all members of the body, although many are one body, so it is with Christ. Uh, for in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Praise the Lord. Amen. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. So what we've established um, already in these uh, um, in uh, talking about these gifts, is they're, they're put into, these gifts, you can put them into three categories. Um, someone, someone, someone help me out here and tell me, not that I've forgotten, but just to get you involved here, tell me what the three categories are. There's um, the uh, revelation, right? Revelation gifts. So uh, revelation gifts are the gift of, uh, the, gift of the word of wisdom, the gift of the word of knowledge, and the gift of prophecy. So those are the three revelation gifts. Then there are the power gifts, which are uh, faith, healing, and miracles. And then there are what some people call the vocal gifts or the utterance gifts. And those gifts are, um, were, uh, no, uh, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and... Prophecy, that's right. First one was discerning of spirits and revelation gifts. But anyhow, um, I messed them up a little bit. So, uh, well, we get it. Praise God. 
If you, listen, if you haven't written it down already and uh, you wrote it down wrong here today, uh, we'll, we'll fix it here in a minute. But praise, praise the Lord. So three, three different categories of gifts. <laughs> um, the uh, revelation gifts. And revelation gifts, instead of prophecy, is, prophecy is not a revelation gift. It's a, it's a vocal gift. It's an utterance gift. It goes into the category of tongues, interpretation, prophecy. And then uh, the uh, revelation gifts are word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. So those are revelation gifts. So these, these gifts, um, we're, we're looking at them in the order of importance. And we, we, we went ahead and we, we took and we put a word of knowledge first because it's important that you understand what the word of knowledge is prior to, if, if you're going to understand the word of wisdom, you, you must first understand the word of knowledge. So we, we've, uh, we've made this clear about the gift of the word of knowledge the, the gift of the word of knowledge is not just a, simply a gift of knowledge or a gift of obtaining knowledge or a gift of knowing. Um, the gift of the word of knowledge is a, all the gifts are supernatural. None of them are, um, no, none of these gifts are natural gifts. These are gifts of the spirit, manifestations of the spirit. So the source of these gifts is uh, uh, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, as he does these things, he's does, he does these things uh, supernaturally. So when we talk about knowledge, it's not just the obtaining of knowledge. It's not just uh, the gift of learning. And I, I went to a church one time in uh, Sandusky, Ohio, and that was the way that they had been taught at this, this church, that the gift of, of the word of knowledge was just a gift of knowledge. It was a gift uh, that God had given us to be able to just know, uh, to learn things, to gain an understanding of things. But that's not what the gift of the word of knowledge is. The gift of the word of knowledge is when God uh, gives us a word from his knowledge base. Or in other words, <clears throat> there's a thought in the mind of God that he wants to reveal to man. And that thought might be about a person. It might be about a church. It might be about a community, a region, a, a city, a state, a nation. It might be a, a thought in the mind of God for the whole world. But uh, it's when God takes a thought that's in his mind and he shares it with someone supernaturally by the Spirit in order for them to, uh, to speak it out, to, to, to decree it, to declare it. So a word of knowledge is us supernaturally getting insight from the mind of God about a thought that God has. Now listen, God doesn't tell us uh, everything that he knows. He gives us a word of knowledge. Y'all hear that? He gives us a word of knowledge. So it's not that God gives us access to everything that he, although, should I even say this? Andrew just walked in. He's like, say it, because I'm, I'm ready now. Um, he had responsibilities, didn't you, Andrew? Uh, <laughs> 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 when I, uh, oh. When, when I do this, I'm trying to determine if I need to say something or not. I'm, tr I'm trying to clear it with the Lord here. Just give me a second, see how it settles. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to share it. Um, I want to be careful how I share it because I don't want you. I don't want you to get the impression. You know, I, I share a lot of things, and I share. A lot of things from the from the uh, perspective of 
um, or, or I sh- when I when I do share things, sometimes I talk about how I've experienced something and how it seems like it's been taken. It's been taken. Um, oh, that the people have, like the glory when we talked about the glory, how people have have, have used so so flippantly the uh, the expression. Oh, uh, the glory, man, the glory is here. Okay, don't you feel the glory? And I talked to you about what the glory, a little bit about what the glory of God is and what it is not. And when the glory of God is manifested and the difference between his glory being mani- the manifestation of his glory, it's like the wind. You know, you can't see the wind. What we see is the manifestation of the wind. But the wind, when the wind is blowing, there is a manifestation how many of you know you, the wind doesn't blow without there being a manifestation? So what is the manifestation of, of the wind? Well, it's trees moving, uh, leaves blowing, um, flags flapping, but we're not seeing the wind. The wind is invisible. What we're seeing is a manifestation of the wind. The same, the same can be said about the glory of God. When people see a cloud, you know, when the, when the children of Israel saw a pillar of fire at night, and a cloud by day. What they were witnessing was the glory, uh, a manifestation of the glory of God. They were not seeing God's glory. What they were seeing was a manifestation that resulted as a full express, as God fully expressed Himself. You know, uh, the Bible says, "When we saw Jesus, we beheld His glory." You know, some people are like, well, "What does that mean?" Well, you know, Jesus wasn't a cloud. He wasn't a he wasn't a pillar of fire. He wasn't a cloud. He wasn't a you know a mist or a fog or or a wind that blew. He was a person. And the way that we saw the glory of God um, uh, manifested in Jesus was Jesus was a full expression of the of the strength and the might and the and the power of God. <laughs> I think I think that's awesome, but um, so sometimes when God expresses Himself in His fullness, there are different you know there. Are different, but some people every time they get up and they get a goose bump or they they get chicken skin, they're like, "Ooh, I feel the glory of God." Well, no, you know what you might be experiencing. You, you know the anointing. The anointing comes upon us, and we can many times feel when the anointing is manifested. How many of you have ever felt the anointing of God come on you and, and the Spirit of God manifest in that way? So we, ev- nearly everybody here has. I think probably everybody here. Lindsay, have you ever felt the anointing? Someone tell me what you felt when you felt the anointing of God come upon you. Huh? Heat, a warmth that didn't come from like the heaters. So it was a supernatural thing. It was like a, a, a heat that, that emanated out, out of you and, and, or came upon you. Is that right? Uh, someone tell me some other way you may have felt uh, the anointing manifested. Like electricity. Who said that? Back there. Yes. Anna. And um, why was I going to call you Hilda? And Ayla. Probably because you got that pregnancy thing going on now. But um, <laughs> And uh, Ayla. So... Sometimes it's like someone hooked you up to electricity. I don't know, as in, in our science class, we had this science teacher that would, he had one of those motors that you crank uh, that, was, that used to be in an old telephone. That's a long time ago. But anyway, telephones used to crank this thing and it was a little generator in there, generate electricity. Well, he had a little, little, a, a little generator like that and he would have students in the class hold hands in a circle and he would have two different students hold 
the, uh, 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 one of those wires, a different one, hold the wire in their hand. And he would crank that up, and you could feel the current of electricity go from one person to the other in a, in a circuit. It, was, it, it felt strange. It felt tingly, like this, there was energy. So um, the, anointing is an, the anointing is the energy of God. The anointing is the energy of God. It's the energy of heaven. It's, it's tangible. You can, you can feel that many times when the anointing is manifested. You can feel a manifestation of that anointing. Well, see, some people, they want to they believe that the anointing and the glory are one and the same. No, the anointing, the anointing or that, that, that uh, energy of God comes upon us for us to do a work. When God shows up in his glory, when God shows up in full expression, God is just, he's showing up. And he's showing, he's, I hate to use this, I always hate when people say this is an Oklahoma preacher thing, but God showed up and showed out, you know. Uh, but it really, it really is God showing out. It's him, it's, it's him expressing himself. And whatever, whatever happens to manifest, you know. Um, I heard testimonies of William Branham baptizing people in uh, the Ohio River, and when he, when he dunked them under and they went under and pulled them out, everyone said it was like a calm day outside, but God showed up in full expression, and all of a sudden, the waters got tumultuous. I mean, there were, there, there were waves and, 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 and uh, white caps on the Ohio River right there in that area where William Branham was baptizing people. And people knew that something unusual, there was a wind that was blowing and there was this manifestation of, of wind and um, it was a bright sunny day and it only lasted for as long as he was baptizing people. So the glory of God, that's why, that's why I say, and someone asked me this question, I don't think I answered him. Someone asked me this, maybe even did, it was, it was Cherie that asked me this question. But, um, you know, I, I, I've told people that um, when the glory of God, when God uh, reveals himself uh, in full expression, uh, you'll know it. No one has to tell you, you'll know it. It's not that everyone will experience the same thing while, God, while he showed up. Everyone may experience something different in that moment, but no one's going to have to tell you whether the glory of God showed up or not. Are y'all hearing? So... I said all that to say this. The other thing that I've heard people say and use a lot is they say, man, I got caught up in the spirit. I'm going to pull my britches down here. I got caught up in the spirit. And I'm listening to them. And you can always identify someone who really got caught up in the spirit. You know, you, if you listen to them talk and you hear them tell the story, if they've really been caught up in the spirit, you, you can tell by the language that they use whether or not they really got caught up in the spirit. Because if you ever really get caught up in the spirit, you become aware of things that most people aren't aware of. And you begin to, you begin to tell the same kind of story that those that have been in the spirit tell. It's kind of like going to Hawaii or something. You know, uh, you, come, you come back from Hawaii, you're going to tell the same stories. That, one time I lied to someone and, you know, we never went nowhere. When I was a kid, yeah, the farthest we went was, uh, I lived in Defiance, Ohio. When we went on vacation, uh, we'd come back to school after the summer. They'd say, where did y'all go on vacation? Kids said, well, we went to the Grand Canyon. Now the kids said, we went to Disney. We went to the Redwood Forests. Over in California, I mean, they, went, they would tell all these places. You know where we went when I was kids? Hillsdale, Michigan. 
45 minutes from Defiance, Ohio. And the only reason we went there is because there was a lake there, man-made lake. And we thought we were going to the beach. And I'd tell people, we went to the beach in Hillsdale. And they'd, they'd all laugh. I wondered why they was laughing. And then I figured out, that, wasn't, that was just some sand. That wasn't really, you know what I mean? So they, a dump truck had put a bunch of sand there. And, but, to, but to us, we was on the beach, you know. Uh, we were really going somewhere. <laughs> so so uh, one time someone told me, they said, uh, it was a girl that I was uh, kind of liked. And she said, yeah, my, me and my family, we went to Hawaii. And, you know, I didn't want to feel left out. I said, oh, yeah, me and my family, when we go to Hawaii, you know, only time I've been to Ohio, Hawaii is when I watched it on the Brady Bunch. You understand what I'm saying? And, and you know, I went to, I, I thought, I thought I would tell her a story that I found a little tiki man, you know, in a little amulet, whatever that was that Peter and Bobby found. And, uh, but I thought, well, maybe she watches the Brady Bunch. I shouldn't tell that. But, but, you know, I, after a while, if you're lying about someplace you've been, you know, they'll find you out. And she's like, she's like, you know, we went to a luau, and I didn't know what a luau was. You know what I'm saying? If you hadn't been to Hawaii, you don't know nothing. And so we went to a luau, and uh, she said, did you get to, did you, did, you, uh, did you go to the luau? Did you guys go to the luau? I was like, oh, yeah, my, my, family, uh, my family went to that luau. <laughs> she's like, you know, the only thing that I didn't like was the poi. I was like, boy, what in the world is boy? And so I started finding myself, I was too deep in the lie. You know what I'm saying? I, I got too deep in the lie, Ms. Rhonda. And so I was like, well, you know, on luau night, I was sick. They just left me in the room, you know? So I didn't get to, I didn't get to, and then she started looking at me crooked. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, and so you got some people that'll say, well, I got caught up in the spirit, you know? And they don't really, they don't really, we're talking about the, you don't know this, but we're talking about the word of knowledge. When I pull it into the word of knowledge, you'll be like, oh, okay, now I get why you said this. So anyway, um, I've, I've been caught up in the spirit. I mean, and I'm, I'm not saying nobody else has. Don't get me. So I, I know sometimes it, it may come across like I'm saying, all these crazy people, none of them be. A bunch of them haven't been, but there's people that get caught up in the spirit. And I've, I've probably gotten caught up in the spirit in, my, in 37 years, 38 years of serving the Lord, maybe, um, maybe three or four times. I mean, really caught up in the spirit where I, where I got lost in the spirit. One time was when the Lord taught me how to cast out devils. And, I, and I've told you all that story. When the spirit of God came into the Mennonite church and uh, I was caught up in the spirit so strong, I couldn't even hear what I was saying out of my own mouth. It sounded like a, a bunch of mumbling. And, but here I was casting devils out of people, the spirit of God speaking through me. And that's how I learned how to cast out demons, was being caught up in the spirit. Um, there, there, there was a few other times, but one time in particular, and I'll, I'll tell you about this time because it was the time that I... Um, I wasn't occupied with doing something. I wasn't busy with casting out devils or ministering, healing to sick people. But I was sitting in a Benny Hinn meeting, and Ted and Deb were there with me. It was when Benny Hinn was still going to churches. In fact, it was a meeting here in Oklahoma City. He was in South Oklahoma City at a church called Dayspring. And I went as a teenager, and man, hungry for God was sitting in that meeting. I was sitting next to Debbie. Debbie was sitting here. Ted was sitting there. Their kids were sitting down the row. And Benny Hinn was up ministering. And he stood everybody up. We were all singing, you know, uh, ushering in the presence of the Lord for the, 
for the miracle service, you know, to begin and for him to minister healing to sick people. And while we're standing there, I had my hands up in the air and I felt like a hand came over my shoulder and, and flopped down to my chest. Well, that, my hand is a pretty large hand, but this hand was so large that the fingers reached all the way to my belt on my britches and the palm was clear up here on my chest. And I thought, and it startled me. And so when it startled me, I opened my eyes and I looked over. And of course, when I opened my eyes, I didn't feel the hand on my chest. I looked over and I looked at Debbie. Debbie had her hands up in the air. I thought maybe she had bumped me or, you know, maybe she put her arm down and it just kind of, you know, hit me the right way and, or whatever. And I looked at her. I said, did you need something? Did you, were you needing something? She goes, no. I said, did you just touch me? She goes, no. I looked at Ted, you know, with his sausage fingers. I'm like, did you? <laughs> Ted, he didn't have sausage fingers then. He was skinny, believe it or not. But anyway, uh, he, <laughs> I said, Ted, I said, did you, did you, did you need something? Did you touch me? He goes, no. He said, he, and you know, Ted, he was always, he's like, must have been the Lord. You know, <laughs> must have been the Lord. So, so I went back to praising God and I lifted up my hands and I'm praising God. And again, that hand hit me, but that, the second time that hand hit me, I immediately was, I was immediately caught up in the spirit. I mean, it was, it was as if I came out of my body and was hovering over that congregation. Now, I'm not saying I came out of my body. I don't think I did. But when I got caught up in the Spirit, if you ever get caught up in the Spirit, the one thing that you will realize is this. When you're in the Spirit, you can see anywhere you want to see, and, you don't, and, and you don't, it doesn't have to be before your eyes. In other words, you can see anything you want to see because you're not limited to what you can see through these holes in your head. You can be anywhere you want to be and you're not restricted by your location. You can go anywhere you want to go in the spirit. And when you, so when you get caught up in the spirit, you're aware of the fact that you're not limited by your natural man. You can go anywhere. You can see anything. Here's the other thing. I knew that I could, knew, I could know anything I wanted to know. I could know anything I wanted to know. If God knew it, it was available to me. If I got, when I was caught up in the spirit. Now this, <laughs> this is what I'm going to tell you. It was, it was like, uh, I could see it. I could, I could know what anyone was thinking. I could know about what was going on in anybody's life. It, it was like all restrictions were taken off. The only restraining force when I was caught up in the spirit was the will of God. It was the Holy Spirit. It was the will of God. You know why I didn't go see everything that I wanted to see? Because that wasn't what he was trying to do. And I knew it. When, when you're in the spirit, you know what it is that God wants you to do. And so what, what, what keeps you from doing it is knowing that it's not his will. So you could know everything, but you don't go knowing everything because you, you're aware of the fact that that's not what his desire is in that moment. So the only thing that restricts you is the will of God. So you, when you get caught up in the spirit... Everything is accessible and everything is available, but uh, the will of God will keep you within the boundaries of where he wants you. And see, that's, the, that's, that's, that's what I wanted to get to is the gift of the word of knowledge. You know, all the knowledge that God has is accessible. You can access. In fact, the, the Bible tells us that the spirit of God will show us all things. Yea, the deep things of God. But those things aren't acceptable at our will or at our whim. 
or at our desire. Those things are accessible as the Spirit of God leads, as the Spirit of God guides, as, as we get on a journey to follow him to those things and to those are you, you understand what I'm saying? And so the gift of the word of knowledge. You know, there's some people who are like, well, Lord, and I, we've heard people say this. And I'm not, I'm not condemning these folks. Don't get me wrong. It's just that I, I think what, ha- what has happened is that there's, there, have been, there have been so many people that are hungry to access the things of the Spirit. And there have been so few people that have been available to teach people about these things that have experienced them. Sitting with Sister Shambach last night, Donna Shambach, Brother Shambach's daughter, sitting there with her last night. As, as I was talking and, and relating, relaying some of, the, some of the thoughts I was telling her, some of the stories of, uh, that I had about her dad and, and, and different encounters that I'd had with him over the years, and, and I was glad I got to share them with her because you know, they're kind of silly. But anyway, um, but she's sitting there listening to me. And there was one thing. There was one thing that we, that both of us could relate to, is that we had we have we had we had been with people that have seen God do supernatural stuff, and that knew how to flow in the spirit, and how to flow over in the supernatural, how to accommodate the spirit, how to give place to the Holy Ghost to get over there and to do these kinds of things. And one of the, what, what, the one thing we could both agree on was this, is that there are a lack of those people still alive, still able to teach us those things. And there's a generation of people who are in leadership today that all, the only experience they have had, many of them, is that they read a book. And I'm going to tell you something. Reading about something is not the same as doing something. Hearing a story about something is not the same as doing it. But we have a lot of people, and and I can always tell who those folks are. And again, I'm not being condemning. But you can tell when you, when you listen to the language that they speak with. Well, you know what, Lord? Today I want you to give me addresses. God, speak some addresses to me. Here's the thing. You know what? Stay out of God's business. Leave the business of God to God. You just do what you need to do. You want, you want to know, because there's people all the time, how do we get addresses? Well, you know what? You got to make a pull for it. Well, how do you make a pull for that? How do you make a pull for God to be able to use you to get someone's address supernaturally through the word of knowledge? How are you going to do that? Well, I'm going to go and I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God and then I'm going to get up there and any number that is rolling around in me, I'm just going to speak it out by faith. Wrong. What you're going to do is you're going to make something natural that is not natural. It's supernatural. You want me to tell you the first step to getting over there and opening up your life for the Lord to, to, to use you in the gift of the word of knowledge? Praise. It don't, it, don't have, it don't have nothing to do with you. Now, you, you, you ought to pray and you ought to ask God to use you in the gifts. But when it comes to being used in the gifts, you ought to praise. You know why? Because God inhabits the praises of his people. And if God is inhabiting your, the space that you're in, if you can invite God into your space, then there's a good chance that he might use you to manifest himself through you in some of these gifts. Amen. You increase your chances exponentially. You know, all the desire, thank God, thank God you have desire. But if you're going to get over there and be used in the gifts of the Spirit, you're going to have to get God in the space that you're living in. 
You're going to have to create a not, a, not a place where God just comes to visit, but a habitation for the Lord. You want, you want to see the gifts of the Spirit manifested in your life more regularly? Then you're going to have to spend more time in the presence of God. Let me, let me tell you what that looks like. The more time you spend with God, the less time you spend with each other. That's why a lot of people don't get over there. You know, the number one reason why this generation isn't seeing the, and I don't care, I don't care what anybody else, I'm telling you by experience. I'm not telling you something I read in a book. I'm about to go, I'm about to go into a time with the Lord that some of y'all have, well, Maybe Annie has seen me in that, in that place. And you know what? It, when I was in that place, when, I, when Annie and I had been together, it's not a pleasant place for her. Do you know why? Because if I'm giving more time to him, I'm giving less time to her. And the... That's what that... See, now I'm, get, I'm getting over there where people are like, I'm not sure I understand that. Well... The more time you spend in the bathroom, the less time you spend in the living room. Isn't that right? The more time you spend at church, the less time you spend at other places. If, if you're going to get over there with God and you're really going to get in his presence in, in, the, in, in some of the ways that we're talking about, because some of us are asking God for things like, you know, we got people saying we want to raise the dead. And they think they're going to be dead raisers by eating Fruit Loops uh, kicking back in their lazy boy, watching OU football. <laughs> now, is, is OU football evil? No. Is it wrong to eat Fruit Loops? No, it's not wrong to eat Fruit Loops. I ate a box just yesterday, but anyhow. <laughs> no, no, I'll just play it. I'll just play it. <laughs> there's, nothing, there's nothing evil or wrong about Fruit none of None of that stuff. But Sometimes when we're seeking the face of God and looking for God to use us, what, what he needs from us is that we, that we get lost in his presence. It's not, that we go, it's not that we go to church and like, all right, this is the night. Tonight, God's going to use me to, to call out someone's name. I see an R. I see an R. And, uh, oh, it's a, and, and, and I'm here in the month of, of June and so I'm thinking, June, is there someone who has their first name starts with R and their birthday is in the month of June? Well, you know, the larger the, the crowd, the better your chances of... <laughs> well, yes, that's what I heard. It wasn't June at all. It was just, he was trying to tell me it was the month before. You know what I mean? And uh, folks, that's, that's how we're seeing this stuff happen and work. It's unfortunate, but some people, that's, and then some people are out there and they're not spending time with the Lord, but they're, they're being used in a seemingly supernatural way. They're hearing stuff and they're seeing stuff and they're, uh, Sheree told me she went to a meeting not long ago and she was like, um, <laughs> when she went, she was like, I would, if I had known that that meeting was going to be that way, I would have never even gone. I said, why? She said, because th there was a spirit there, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit. Some, some people don't realize if you, if you give room to just any spirit, then sometimes a familiar spirit will come. And you know what? You know why they call those kinds of spirits familiar spirits? Because they're familiar with you. 
There are spirits. You know, there are other spirits in the world other than God. And so there might be spirits that hang around with you. And if someone has given themselves over to any old spirit, then that, that spirit that's hung out around you and around your life might tell off on some of the things that it knows about you. And it may seem supernatural. It might even give you goosebumps. You might get chicken skin. Woo. Boy, that gave me a little chill. Haven't any of you watched those paranormal shows? They all get chills in those paranormal shows. <laughs> it's a very poor indicator of whether or not God's doing something. Are you all hearing me today? <laughs> I know. Now some of y'all like, well, Pastor Ziggy, you're making it like this is difficult. No, it's it's not. It's not difficult when you're doing it right. Now, if you're not spending time with God, yeah, it's difficult. If you're, if you're, if you're, uh, if if the most time you spend with the Lord is when you come to church on Sunday, yeah, it's going to be a little more difficult for you if all you ever do is spend time with God on Sunday. But if you facilitate the Lord every day in your life and you walk with Him and you you know and you talk with Him. Amen. And you, you know, do like some of those old hymns say, and you spend, turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full of his wonderful face and the things of earth grow strangely dim. Glory to God. Well, if you get over there, then you're going to know, you're going to be able to tell the, you're going to know the difference between what be God and what not be God. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't spend any time with the father and the Bible warns us about uh, uh, lying signs and wonders in the last days. Come on, y'all. Now, I'm not, try- I'm not trying to say that everything that's happening out there, but if we, if we as God's people don't press in, you know, there are different times and different seasons that God does a different stuff. And it's important for us to identify those times. You know, there are times that uh, uh, probably in your life growing up that there were certain things that were allowed in a certain period of your life that later on in your life, they weren't, it wasn't allowed anymore depending on what season you were at in your life. Same with the church. You know, the church went through a season there where people were getting drunk in the Holy Ghost. It seemed very easy to get into the flow of the Spirit. Um, in fact, you didn't even have to have a relationship with God if you wanted to, if you wanted to get uh, filled with the Holy Ghost and drunk in the Spirit. You didn't have to seek God for it. All you had to do is go to a Rodney Howard Brown meeting. You get in there and the river was flowing and he'd just kick you into the river. I mean, it's very simple. It's like... Come on, get it. Come on now. Bubble, bubble, bubble. Fill, fill, fill. The more you find it, the harder you'll get it. Come on now. Oh, Shamaya. That's how you do people. That South African accent, right? Bubble, bubble up. Come on. Bubble up. Fill to overflowing. Fill to overflowing. Fill to overflowing. Come on now. It's the Holy Ghost. I mean, and according to Rodney, because of when he got in, according to him, he's like, it don't take all that. All you need to do is just get in the flow. Just, just receive. Just open up your heart and receive. Just open up your heart and receive. Come on, it's easy. It ain't, it ain't hard. It's easy. Religion's made it hard. And he, and he gives people this idea. Now, brother, what he's saying is right. But what, but what he doesn't tell anybody 
is how long it took him to get to the place where it was easy. Because <laughs> it didn't start out. In fact, you hear his testimony. He's like, I remember, and he'd be crying about, I remember when I was in South Africa praying for my bears. I'd line up my bears like I was in America, believing for a move of God. And then over there in upstate New York, and then he talks about when it happened. But he was pressing into to, to the Spirit. He is pressing into God. I mean, during the time that he was in preparation, opening up his life for the Holy Ghost. I mean, y'all have heard me tell the testimony when he was a uh, 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 he was uh, where Ken Ken. I was at, I was, I was watching the Ken Copeland tape, and Ken Copeland said uh, in, in, on this videotape, "There's a young man here I want to introduce y'all to." When we went to South Africa, we went there and we were going on safari, and he was our jeep driver. He was the he was our guide to the safari. It rained that day, and we were in our jeep and. And we would get stuck, and this, this fellow would just dig us out. I mean, just happily dig us out of the mud. And he wouldn't let us get out of the Jeep. He wouldn't let us get muddy. He'd push us out of the mud. And, and he said we were out for hours, and we, we didn't see one animal for the weather. But, man, he said this Jeep driver, he was just happy and, and just joyful, and he just dug us out of the mud every time we got stuck. He wouldn't let us lift a finger. He said, but he's here tonight, and I wanted to introduce him to you because he's here, uh, and, uh, and uh, I, I want him to just kind of give you all a little word here. He said, Rodney Howard Brown, come up here. It was Rodney. It was Rodney. Rodney was the one who was their guide and dug Brother Copeland and all of them out of the mud during a safari in their Jeep. You know, but you know what? Rodney ain't telling them stories. Come on, Gideon, jump in the river. Jump in the river. Well, there's a river. And there was a season in time. Are y'all still with me? I know I'm kind of preaching now, aren't I? I need to back up a little bit. Anyhow, we, there was a time when that was appropriate, where, where, you, where you could jump in the flow and jump in the river and experience revival because that's what God wanted you to do. He wanted you to experience revival. But do you know why he wanted you to experience revival? So you could lead someone else to revival. But you know what we did? We jumped in revival. We never bothered to find out how to get to revival. We just got into someone else's flow. Someone else, someone else knew how to get to the river. We just went to their meeting, let them toss us in the river, but we never bothered to beat down a path for ourselves to get to that same river. So instead of leading people to revival, we lead people to Tampa, Florida, to Brother Rodney's church. <laughs> but you know, it's always been God's desire. And y'all know it because y'all have said it. Y'all have said it over the years. The Lord wants to use every one of us. God wants to use his church. Yeah, he does. He wants to use his church. But he's not going to be able to use his church if, if we're relying upon the experiences and, the, and the, uh, the relationship that others have developed with Jesus. So if you want God to use you in the gift of the word of knowledge, it starts in the praise service. Even before the first note is hit. You know what? I long for the day. I long for the day that in this church will happen like the church. We had a revival in Blackwell, Oklahoma at one of the deadest churches I've ever been to in my life. That church was dead in a hammer. Plugged up with religion. Plugged up with tradition. I took Annie the first day we went. I took Annie to that revival. 
And she was there that first week. And she was there for a few days that first week and then went home. And then I came at the end of that week and I said, well, we're going on. She said, going on? Why? I said, well, the Lord wants to bring revival. She said, yeah, they need revival, but what makes you think? I mean, it wasn't any good. You know, when you go, when you go into a place and you're, you're introducing people to ideas and concepts that, are, that have been buried by religion and by tradition and by the flesh, when people are plugged up, when they're spiritually constipated. You know, spiritual constipation, sometimes you need a couple doses of Holy Ghost milk of magnesia to get you to have a move, you know? <laughs> we, we call it spiritual constipation for a reason. You want to have a move. You try to have a move. You go through the motions of having a move, but you don't have a move. And you need to have a move. And so she didn't understand. She's like, why are you going to stay? We stayed there for 30 weeks. And for th now listen, uh, to, to Annie's credit, don't Annie, anyone being ugly or anything, but she, every week I'd come home, she's like, another week? And we were going like six days a week, Sunday through Friday, back and forth every day to Blackwell, Oklahoma. And for seven months, church, for seven months. Well, when we finally, when we finally hit the end of that revival, this was in uh, 2004, I think it was, 2004. When we finally got to the end of that revival, it was the 30th week, I took Annie back to the last, one of the last, the last service. Now listen, when we started that revival, people wouldn't even stand up to do praise and worship. The worship leader would lead worship with her eyes closed because she couldn't stand to look at everybody. The worship team, they played with their eyes closed. They couldn't bring themselves to open their eyes to look at the faces of the people as they praised and as they worked because, they, because it, would, it would discourage them. I, I should put up mirrors in our church. I always threaten to do it in revival. I should really do it here. I should put mirrors up here or at, least, at the very least put a camera and put that camera on that, that screen right there so that you all can see what you look like during praise and worship and then understand what the worship team has to press through to do praise and worship in this church. There are some days it's much easier, but then there are other days, you know what? They don't, I've watched Miss Rhonda. I've, I've, you know, if I let Miss Rhonda really do what she wanted to do, she'd be grabbing people by their, by their uh, lapels. Yes, get him, you know. If I let Ayla, Ayla, listen, she'd get up in here with a cattle prod on some of y'all. But that church, that's how we started out. So when Annie walks in, we walk in and we're a half hour early, you know. We're a half hour early. When we come in, the altar is filled with people praising and worshiping. There's not one person playing an, an instrument on the, on the platform. The worship team, team isn't even set up yet. They're not even ready to play. But you got a bunch of people up front, and one of them will break out in a song, and the rest of them follow. You can't even, you, you, you have to get greased up just to get to the altar to get in there and worship and praise God. They were there for 45 minutes before every service at some point. I don't remember when it started. All I know is at some point it started. I mean, do you really want to know the key to the supernatural? The keys to opening up the realm of the supernatural aren't showing up to church five minutes before or 10 minutes after. 
I'm sorry. I mean, I wish I, wish I could tell you that that, that you know, I, and I'm not, I'm not harping on you. Because see, some people, they look at me like, well, pastor just wants everybody here on time. No, it's not. It has nothing to do with me. It has to do with what I know. It has to do with what I know. It's not about, and now you can, you can go ahead and believe that because I know there are other pastors that that's their motive. They just get tired of people being late. I could care less about people being late if, if, if tardiness didn't affect what God wanted to do in your life so terribly. But it's not me. It's not me that you ought to be showing up for. And he walked in and those people were at the altar. And she, I remember I looked at her and she had a, she had a different kind of look on her face. Boy, she's looking real dude. She was like, what in the world? And, and uh, pretty soon they, you know, they cranked up worship, they cranked up praise and I'm just doing what I do. You know, Annie, she's, she's real good about just not pestering me and she's just like, you just go ahead and do whatever it is that you, I'm here and I'm glad to be here and, but you do what you got to do. And so, man, I'm up there and I, I, I'm praising God with all these people. I'm up front with them. You know, she's kind of kicked back and watching and observing. And, um, I came back and sat down while brother Johnson, pastor of the church got up and he said, listen, we're so glad to have had brother Ziggy here all these many, many months. And the Lord has certainly done a great thing. He said, listen, let's, let's give God some praise. Uh, as Brother Ziggy comes one last night to minister here in this revival. And the place erupts in praise unto the Lord. And I remember when I stood up, Annie is in tears. She's in tears, crying, sitting there uh, on, the, on the pew. And I got up and I ministered, and the Lord did great things. And then on the drive home, you know, for months she had been asking me, why are you doing this? Why do you do this? Why do you do? And she'd asked me that prior to that, you know, when we do revivals, they last a long time. But that night as we drove away, she looked at me and she said, I know why you do this now. They're not the same. They're not the same. Listen, folks, you don't, you don't, you don't learn the, you don't learn those things. You can read it in a book. You're, you're hearing me tell the story and it, it's, it's certainly piercing your hearts and it's, it's, uh, it's provoking something in you, but you don't really know the power of what I'm talking about until you get over there in that place and you press in to the presence of God and you make room for him in your life. Uh, it's not just, it's not just praying. Some people are like, well, I pray every day. Yeah, it's not just going through the motions of prayer. It's really pressing in to the Spirit. It's really following the Holy Spirit to a place where you've never been before. And a part of the process is that you pray. A part of the process is that you study the Word. But then there's another part of the process that comes in meetings like this. The Spirit of God is stirring some of you. He's, You know what? You know what he's trying to tell y'all here tonight? There's a place for you in the presence of the Lord. This isn't just reserved for some preacher, for some evangelist, for, some, for someone that we think is a great one. This is a place for the people of God. He prepared a place for us in his presence. There's a place for you. There's a place that only you fit in. Are y'all hearing me today? There's something, that, there's something uh, in, in, in the body that only you can do. 
And if you fail to, to, uh, to do your part and to take your role, God will have to create someone else and send them to get it done. But it won't be until you've had your chance to complete your assignment. Right, be when you're dead and gone before he... <laughs> Praise the Lord. So these fellows that are t trying to tell people, hey, this is how you do the supernatural. Uh, if, if, it don't, if, it don't start, if it don't start with prayer, if it don't start with uh, personal intimacy with the Lord, if it starts with, well, you got to, you know, just kind of, you know, just let the, clear your mind. Think of a white sheet of paper. No, you, listen. No. When you walk in the door. <laughs> but, you, but you know what that means? That means less time for chit-chat. That means you're not going to get the, week, uh, the week's gossip. This week's gossip isn't going to be amen. And, and you know what? Some people say, oh, we, we don't have that at Winter's Church. Yes, we do. And you know who it, you know who it is. Oh no, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> I, mean, well, I don't know, you know, maybe. I don't know. But <laughs> but you know, as somebody we and I'm not I'm not condemning nobody. What I'm saying is is what you press into the Lord. There's not time for that. You don't have time for that. You don't have time for that. Well, you get in the presence of God, and you don't have time for nobody talk to me today. Because you come and go, and you never even know. Pastor never invites me for lunch. Heck, we invite the whole... You know, here's the deal. If you want to go to lunch with us, all you got to do is follow the line of cars wherever it is we're going. We don't, we don't always have an opportunity to invite everybody because we're so hangry. We just get down the road. We're like, hey, tell everybody where we're going. <laughs> it's not like it's an exclusive club. But, you know, that's how some people act. But, you, you know, you get to where you don't act that way when you get in his presence. You know why? Because you don't care. <laughs> you don't care. You're just glad to come together and to, and to come into his presence with thanksgiving in your heart and enter his courts with praise. I want to tell you the second step to having the word of knowledge function in you, if that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Second step is worship. <laughs> you got to start with praise and then you got to enter into worship. <laughs> Glory. Amen. How, how, how else are you going to, how else are you, is God going to share a thought from his mind with you if you're not encompassed round about with his presence? You know, it's the, it's the devil, it's the devil that'll have you, it's the devil that will have you obsessing about the things of the natural. There's a couple of things that I have found to be wonderful here at Winner's Church. And that is that there have been times when people have been flat out ugly and not in the spirit. And 
doing things that were, they were doing intentionally to try to distract. And there were people that were a part of our church that were totally oblivious because they were caught up in the spirit. <laughs> Didn't even know it was happening. In fact, last time it happened was when we had a church come here and, and we, we had them uh, participate in a praise service that we had. And because the sound wasn't up to their uh, standards or whatever, for whatever reason, um, of course, probably because they came and uh, this wasn't their sound system and they certainly didn't have their sound people. Uh, our folks did the best that they could, which, you know, I mean, we're, we're barely, we're, heck, y'all, if y'all knew what went on week to week just to try to get this to sound the way that it does, you'd be shocked. I mean, you, you never know what it's going to sound like in here from week to week. I mean, one week we were in here, it sounded like a heavy metal concert, you know? I was just waiting for someone to spit fire and spit blood. It's like, man, you know, it reminded me of my old, old days. I left out of here, someone said something to me, I'm like, huh? <laughs> you know, I mean, it would, and the songs we would say, might get loud. I mean, it was distorted, you know, but I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, it don't matter to me. And then there are other times it's not that way, but this, this pastor, and it was the pastor of the church, I mean, he got angry. He went to the back. Uh, and where Joe was sitting, he slammed his hands down on, on that soundboard back there in anger and told Joe, you, this was this year. You cheated my, you cheated my drummer. Joe was like, I did not. I don't even know who your drummer is. You know, how did I cheat your drummer? But he was, do you know that man was so angry? That pastor was so angry about I don't know how, I don't, how, you can, how you can get angry about the, how drums sound during praise and worship is beyond me. You, weren't, you never got into praise and you never got into worship. And unfortunately, he was the one leading it for his team. I thought, where did you lead us to? Thank God there were people in our church didn't need no one to lead them in there. Amen. Do you hear what I said? Thank God there are people in our church that they didn't need led there, you know, that you all just went there. You got in his presence. And so all this was happening. Do you know from the time they got off the platform, some of y'all don't know this, from the time they got off the platform till the service was over with, they were trying to get their, he was demanding that his, that his worship team get their stuff off the platform and leave right now during a miracle service. And some of his people were telling him, we're not going to do that right. He's like, go get your stuff. We're getting out of here. And then there were some that were just happy to follow him. And they were gathered up, and he was just walking around, strutting around like a, a rooster. And, and I got, I, when I got up after our worship team played, I mean, I, I told everyone in the whole place, I said, listen, you better set, everyone needs to settle now. Well, this isn't about any of you here. There are people that came here for a miracle. And we're going, to, we're going to create an atmosphere for them. I didn't, know, I didn't know all that was happening at the time. I didn't know that probably I was talking to that pastor. But the following week, this is what's wonderful. The following week, when we got together for leadership meeting, and I told the story, and, and Joe was like, yeah, that really happened. Melody, Melody you, were you all were here that night, Melody, weren't you? You didn't know that was happening, did you? Yeah, see, some people get caught in the presence of God, don't even know what's going on. Don't even know what's going on. And that's the way God wants us. He wants us so caught up in his presence that when people get in the flesh or give place to the devil, we don't even, we don't even recognize it, don't even see it. When it's happening, we're, we just look like, wow, I wonder what's going on there. Praise Jesus, hallelujah. 
Glory to God. Amen. All we know is that we don't want to be a part of it. Thank God. And that's, that's what I found. But then there were some that were angry. Pastor, I almost socked that guy in the nose. Well, you know what? That sounds, you know, that sounds, you, you think I would be, you know, be like, praise God. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you love this church and you love the Lord. But you know what? That's not really what I'm saying. It's like, well, you know, you probably shouldn't have been thinking about punching people in the nose. What you should have been doing is uh, creating a place for his presence and a place. Amen. <laughs> Some of us do. You're right. You're right. Hey, listen. Uh, yeah. Yesterday, he was working on me yesterday. I'll tell you that right now. But anyway, <laughs> when I landed in Gilmer. <clears throat> but but y'all, y'all get what I'm saying? So praise, worship. The, uh, uh, getting, getting God manifesting his presence in the atmosphere of your life. Being in the, in the presence of the Lord. That's what's going to cause these things to manifest. It's not hard to get a word of knowledge when you're in the presence of the Lord. It's hard to get a word of knowledge when you haven't been in the presence of the Lord all week and you try to get one on Sunday. <laughs> when, you spend, when you spend all your time talking about God and not talking to Him. When you spend all your time singing about God, but not singing to him. Boy, I'm preaching. I'm on it now. I'm not even supposed to be preaching today. But y'all are, y'all are hearing this, right? And I'm not trying to tie some kind of impossible uh, burden on your shoulders. That's not, that's not what I'm trying to do. You know what? You do what you, you, you want to do. You might, some of you, you might go through times when you're broke, but if you want to go out and eat, you're going to do it, broke or not. You know good and well you can't afford it, and you'll go anyhow. And then you'll just make it work out. Hello? It's because that's what you wanted to do. (laughs) Tyler's back there. Amen. Just, we're not broke. We're just saving money. <laughs> but but you, y'all hear what I'm saying? You'll do what you want to do. And that's the battle that we have, is that your, your flesh doesn't want to die. Your flesh don't want to die. Your flesh wants to hear what happened, to, what happened last week. Did you talk to so-and-so? What'd they say? That's what your flesh wants to hear. Your flesh is looking forward to whatever coffee there might be in the kitchen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Sheree's like, hadn't been nothing in there for a long time. Long time. <laughs> you know, our, there was, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. I'm not gonna, I got to be careful here. But praise Jesus. So, Oh, 15 minutes, this ain't even going to work. <sighs> True, I did say that, didn't I? Praise the Lord. Tell all the teenagers, stay in there. Praise God. 
Lindsay gave her kids Benadryl. They're at home sleeping. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I ain't no shame in my game. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, So, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. Say every man. Every man. Say this with me. Say, I'm every man. Every Look at someone say, you're every man. Every Throw your hands up in the air say, we're every man. Every so, it's given to every man. For the Word says to one is given the Word of wisdom, to another the Word of knowledge, and then to another faith, uh, to another gifts of healings. It goes on uh, talking about that there uh, in Corinthians. So, The, the epistle of 1 Corinthians is in the letter that was just written to one person. It's a letter that's written to the entire church at Corinth, as well as to the church of the body of Christ in our day. Some folks have thought these verses applied to some individual person or to someone in a different time or a different season. But Paul was telling the entire church to covet the best gifts in these verses of Scripture. Uh, to desire spiritual gifts. Uh, that, was, that, was what he, that was what he was in, encouraging them to do because as an entire body of believers covets them, the Holy Spirit will divide the gifts of the Spirit to every man severally as he will, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. So Paul infers here in these verses of Scripture as well that not every man is going to have all these gifts operating through him because he said this, for to one, not everyone, but to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom and to another the word of knowledge. So some people have taken this verse out of, uh, out of context and have thought the Bible was just telling individual people to desire all of these gifts when actually Paul was telling the church as a group or as a body to covet them. Uh, lacking understanding, many people try to operate a gift of the Spirit of themselves without the unction of the Spirit of God. Perhaps a gift of the Spirit uh, has manifested in their life on one occasion or another, and they think, now I possess that gift, and I can operate it uh, in that particular gift at will. But that's not true. If, if people try to do that, they will invariably get into trouble because they'll be opening themselves up to satanic deception and to a wrong spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit operate as the Spirit wills, not as we will. Again, uh, verse 11 in that 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, you might want to highlight that one real good. So when you get away from the Word, then Satan can accommodate you, even with supernatural manifestations. Remember, the Holy Spirit operates in line with the Word of God, and the Word says His gifts operate as he wills, as he wills. If an entire local body of believer will covet the gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will divide to every man severally as he wills, not as I will, not as you will, but as the Spirit wills. The word of knowledge uh, manifested in different ways. Uh, the gifts of the Spirit aren't just manifested in public assembly. However, um, as we 
talked about, uh, or, or um, as we talked about previously, the word of knowledge will sometimes manifest through a vision, uh, through a dream, through a message from an angel, through a gift of uh, prophecy. The word of knowledge can also be manifested through uh, tongues and interpretation. However, the interpretation of tongues is usually not the vehicle through which a word of knowledge is manifested in public assemblies, except perhaps through the ministry gift of, of uh, the diversity of tongues. The reason for that is the ministry gift of the diversity of tongues is more closely related to the office of the prophet. Uh, the prophet's ministry will uh, more consistently manifest uh, revelation gifts. Interpretation of tongues in the local body is usually the equivalent of the simple gift of prophecy, prophecy for edification, exhortation, and comfort, and contains no revelation in it. Uh, the word of knowledge in uh, uh, the, the word of knowledge actually functioned in the Old Testament. So you know we we think of the gifts of the Spirit as being something that only happened in the new happens in the New Testament church, but these things happened in the Old Testament as well. So there were supernatural manifestations of the word of knowledge that happened uh, then. Uh, in fact, all the gifts of the Spirit, not just that one, uh, were in operation in the Old Testament, except for tongues and interpretation. So, and we'll cover the reasons why these two gifts weren't included uh, when we uh, talk about that later. But we find that all the other gifts of the Spirit, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, special faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, all of these manifested uh, in the Old Testament. These gifts of the Spirit were manifested in the New Testament, first in the ministry of Jesus, then after the day of Pentecost, the gifts of the Spirit with tongues and interpretation of tongues as well began to be manifested uh, through Spirit-filled believers. So again, let's, let's, uh, let's kind of take a look at the, the gift of the word of knowledge happening in the Old Testament. When Saul was out looking for his father's donkeys uh, that either strayed or were stolen, someone said to him, why don't you go ask Samuel? Uh, he'll know, he would know where they are. So 1 Samuel chapter 9, and we're going to skip around through these uh, verses here a little bit. 1 Samuel chapter 9, we'll start with verse 3, Joe. It says, and um, I'm going to read it in this uh, King James Version. I believe it's King James Version here. And the asses, and it's talking about donkeys. <laughs> and the asses of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to Saul, his son, take now one of the servants with thee and arise and go seek the asses. Verse 5. And when they were come to the land of Zuf, if you want to call it that, or Zup, or however you say it, uh, Saul said to his servant that was with him, come and let us return, lest my father leave caring for the asses and take thought for, uh, and take thought for us. Uh, verse 6. And he said unto him, Behold now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he saith cometh surely to pass. Now let us go thither, uh, peradventure, uh, he can shew us our way that we should go. Verse 15. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him uh, to be captain over my people Israel, that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines, for I have looked upon my people because their cry is come unto me. Look at verse 19. 
And Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me unto the high place, for ye shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let thee go, and I will tell thee all that is in thine heart. Verse 20, and as for thine asses that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind on them, for they are found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Uh, it is, is it not on thee and all thy father's house? Of course, Samuel only knew what God revealed to him because if Samuel knew everything, uh, that, would, that would have made uh, him omniscient or all-knowing. Samuel had a word of knowledge uh, for Saul. He said to Saul, the asses which thou wentest to seek are found, and lo, thy father hath left the care of these asses, and sorroweth for you, saying, what shall I do for my son? In uh, chapter 10, verse 2. So the word of knowledge uh, we see operating there uh, through the prophet Samuel. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, the word of knowledge also operated in the Old Testament to discover a man in hiding. Uh, although Samuel had already anointed Saul to be king over Israel, when it came time uh, to reveal him as the, as the king, Saul hid among the stuff. First uh, Samuel 10.22, when the people couldn't find him, they inquired of the Lord instead of sending everyone to look for him. Many times, that is the quickest way to find an answer, is to inquire of the Lord. Do you understand that these, these gifts don't just function in the public assembly, but they function to help us sometimes in life? Amen. Some of y'all are getting off the bus. Maybe I should have kept on what I was on before, not try to get it, uh, right into this. But the 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 people the people there they knew that uh, they knew uh, that the Lord knew where Saul was, and the Lord told them exactly where Saul was. Uh, when they looked where God told them to look, they found Saul. Uh, surprise! <laughs> that was that was the word of knowledge in operation. Uh, remember, the word of knowledge reveals certain facts in the mind of God. So um, you, you can see how that in, in, uh, in the Old Testament that the Lord didn't just use the word of knowledge to, uh, to help his will to be done, but it also helped his people uh, to be, you know, uh, you know, the Bible says that the gifts of the Spirit are given to every man to profit with all. God, now, I'm not saying God's going to give you lottery numbers. Because some people are like, Lord, speak to me. You know, when that lottery got up close to a billion dollars, or wasn't it close to a billion? Was it close to a billion there for a minute? Was it over a billion dollars there for a minute? Now, I don't keep track of the lottery, so I don't know. But I heard from someone that does. I won't name who it is, Ted, but... You know, Ted, Ted, Ted heard the lottery got up there, and he's like, I'm going to get me a couple of them tickets. I'm like, go for it, Ted. You know, you know why I told Ted, you know, do, do, what, do whatever, because I know Ted will pay his tithe. Amen. Praise God. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, uh, but Ted, Ted, you know, he's, that lotto got over a billion. And I was like, Ted, you know, what if you, you, know, what if you won? He, of course, he's always talking about what he do, but. I don't think the Lord necessarily is going to give you the lotto numbers. Now, the, now you know what? Brother Hagen was in prayer one time, 
And the Lord spoke to him in a word of knowledge. And, uh, and told him that he needed for him to um, sell a piece of property and to, and to lay off a certain amount of his employees. Through the, through the gift of the word of knowledge, the Lord spoke to him to do that. And uh, do you know why the Lord has spoken to him to do that? Because the Lord knew there was coming a recession. And in order for that ministry to, to come through the recession without, ha without being battered and beaten and, and uh, tore up, that that would need to be what happened. So the Lord, will, the Lord will give you a word of knowledge and give you a supernatural thought out of his mind to help you make it through maybe financial difficulties. When there's financial difficulties in the land, God will give you a word of knowledge to make sure that you don't have to go through it. Amen. <clears throat> Lord will give you a word of knowledge to take care of your kids. There have been times the Lord told me stuff about my children. Now, did he, does he always share stuff with me about my kids? Does he always say, my kids, I'm sure my kids have been into mischief I had no clue about. And I, and I never tried to lie to my children and tell them that I knew everything. I told them, I'm, I function in a prophetic office, and I know a lot of stuff, but I only know what God shows me. And God may have given you a lot of grace and a lot of mercy. And he may not have revealed everything to me that you were into. And you ought to give thanks to God for that. <laughs> but then there are those times when the Lord has revealed information that's in his mind about my kids. And uh, that can be quite eye-opening and quite awakening, uh, not only to them, but to me of the goodness of God and what God is able to do. Are y'all hearing me? That means Lord, Lord might tell you where to put in your application. He might drop it in your heart. You know, you might be like, Lord, I need a car. And he might just drop a word of knowledge in you and tell you exactly uh, what to do in order to get. You might not even realize what he's doing. <clears throat> One time, I was hearing the testimony of a man named William Branham, and he was scheduled to preach in another city he had William Branham was preaching in, I think it was in Chicago, in the Chicago area, and he had preached a big campaign there, big crusade. A bunch of people showed up, a bunch of people got healed. Well, he was checking out of his hotel, and there was a car waiting to take him to the airport to, to get his flight to go to the next service. And um, I'm, I'm probably close with this, but he, uh, <clears throat> so he gets, he goes to, the, to get in the cab to go to the airport. And before he can get in the car, the Spirit of God tells him, put your, put your bags down. Now listen, God can't talk to everybody like that. I know, and I know that, um, I know that there were times that I'd hang out with people that the Lord, he used them in a powerful way. Um, over the years, I've been fortunate to see people and to be with people that the Lord has used in really supernatural, powerful ways. And I would watch those people, and I would be so amazed at how the Lord would lead them and how he would take and he would show them things that would, that would uh, cause them to end up where they needed to be when God needed them to be there. And it seemed, you know what, it seems so easy. It seems so, when you, when you watch the Lord work in someone's life who has some of these, you look at them and you think, man, it's so easy for them to do that. 
what people don't realize is that it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. Y'all have, y'all have seen me. Y'all have seen me up here stumble around and then and, and wonder, man, what's, what's pastor doing? And then all of a sudden, we stumble right into the presence of God. You're like, oh, he knew it all the time. He knew it all the time. Well, pastor, he knows what he's doing. Now, you know what? I was stumbling through just like everybody else. It's just that he gave me a word. He gave me a word of knowledge, or he gave me some, some instruction or some direction. And that's what he did with William Branham that day. He told William Branham, put your bags down. I need for you to walk down this street. So William Branham put his bags down. You know, here's the thing about, um, there's a, do you know the difference between movers and shakers and those that are not movers and shakers? Movers and shakers are just willing to, to be stupid enough to obey God and maybe not know where they'll end up uh, by obeying him. And William Branham, perfect example. He didn't know where he'd end up. God told him to walk down the road in Chicago. Just walk down that road. Okay. So he put his bags down, took out, walk. Chicago was a different place then. This was way back in the 60s. So, uh, so he starts walking down the road in Chicago. And the Lord tells him, um, cross the street here. So he crosses the street. He says, cross the street again. I've got an appointment for you here on the corner. So he crosses the street. He gets on the corner of this crowded city. And this woman begins to look at him and shout. She says, Brother Branham, I can't believe that you're here. He's like, well, hello, sister. What, are you, what is it that you, what, he said, were you, in the, were you in the meetings? She said, no, sir. I wanted to be in the meetings. I, I just knew that if I got to those meetings that the Lord would heal me. I knew that I'd get, a, I'd get my miracle. And she said, I couldn't make it to any of the meetings. She said, but I was in prayer this morning and the Lord told me to come stand at this corner that he had something for me. So I left my house and I came to this corner and here you are. And he said the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he had a vision of what this woman's problem was and he told her what her problem was. He laid his hands on her and prayed for her. She received her miracle on that corner. After that was over with, the Lord said, now head down this street and keep walking. He walked down that street. He left, he left the hotel in the morning to go to catch a flight. He, he, he's thinking, I've missed my flight. I'm supposed to be in a meeting and I've missed my flight. And he just, he's walked down the street and he kept walking. He said he walked so far that he walked into a residential area. He walked into a neighborhood. He said he got down in that neighborhood and he, and he went into uh, an area where it was like a corner that turned like this. And he said there was, a, there was a black woman that was leaning over her fence, just standing there leaning over her fence. And he said, as he walked up to her, she said, hey, pastor. And he says, hello, mother. God bless you. And he walked away. And as he turned the corner and walked away, he said, the spirit of the Lord said, hey, you just missed your appointment. That's your appointment back there. That's your assignment. So he turned around and he went back to her. He said, he said, um, how did you know that? Uh, he said, uh, he said, do you know me? And she said, no, sir. He said, he said, then he said, why did you call me Pastor. And she said, well, she said, my uh, son is in the house. He's on his deathbed. I was praying for him that God would raise him up. When I, when I was praying for him at about three o'clock this morning, she said, I had a vision. 
And I had a vision of you coming down the street and going in there and laying your hands on my son and raising him up off of his deathbed. The Lord told me you'd be coming down that street that I was to go out there and to wait on you. And when you arrived, that my boy would be healed. He said, he said, sister, my name is William Branham and I minister healing to sick people. That's how the Lord uses me. We had a big crew said this lady didn't know who he was, but he went in there uh, based on what they had both seen, laid his hands on that guy, and the Lord raised that guy up from that deathbed and gave him a miracle. Glory to God. That's a word I'm not. Now you say, can that happen? Can that happen? Can that? I was a, t- I was a teenager. I, w- I was born again maybe six months, Melody. I was walking down the street in my community in Defiance, Ohio. Me and a friend of mine, and this friend of mine was, he was struggling with homosexuality. And uh, he hadn't quite whipped it. In fact, he hadn't, he hadn't whipped it to this day. Um, but we're walking down the street, but we're headed to the hospital. Only reason, only reason he's even having anything to do with going to the hospital is because I'm, I was like, you know, a lot like Cherie. I would just pester people until they'd come with me. And I made him come with me. I was going to go to the hospital and visit sick people. And I needed him because um, if, if, if I would go in and minister to people, sometimes they would kick me out. And I needed for him to go in there and go pray for people when I got kicked out. So that when they would run after him, I could come back in and pray for people. While they're kicking him out, I'd be praying for people. And then while they're kicking me out, he'd be praying for people. Until we, you know, covered the whole hospital. That was how we did it. And um, so I, I needed him to go with me. We're walking. Some of you have heard me give this testimony. We're walking down the road. And as I'm walking down the road, all of a sudden, the whole street. And I'm almost done. Are we okay? Um, the whole street. The whole street in front of me disappears. And all of a sudden, I'm standing in front of a house. On a, I, and I recognize the house. I know the house that that, the, the, the street that that house is on. But I'm walking down the road. And all of a sudden, where I'm walking toward, everything disappears. My friend disappears. All the cars that are coming down the road disappear. And now, all of a sudden, I'm standing. I, I come to a stop from walking. And my eyes are open. My eyes aren't closed. I haven't fallen on the ground to have a dream. My eyes are, my eyes are open and I'm standing in front of this house. I know where the house is. I know what street that house is on. And I'm standing there and I'm thinking, why am I seeing this house? The moment I became aware that the Lord wanted me to go to that house, it was like he said, go to that. That was a word of knowledge. Go to that house. That was a word of knowledge through vision. Go to that house. The minute I knew I was supposed to go to that house, all of a sudden now I'm, I'm back on that street that I was walking down. I turned to my friend because he's looking at me like, why did we stop? I said, turn around. We got to go back. He's like, where are we going? I said, to a house. He said, whose house? I said, I don't know. Just follow me. And we went. This six months after, church, this six months, eight months after I got born again. If God can find people that are, if God can find you in a place where you're willing, I was willing to look foolish. But listen, when you have a vision, I'm going to tell you right now, if, you, if all of a sudden you have a vision like I had, now some of you say, I've never had a vision. Some of you some of you've never prayed more than two days in a row. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just pointing out, we have to create an environment. So, 
I, I, he's, he's walking behind me. I mean, I've got, I've got, I'm stepping, boy. I'm, I'm trying to get there. I knew I'd seen a vision. If God showed me that house through a vision, he was going to do something, Gil. I didn't know what he was going to do, but I knew we had to get to that house. He didn't have, you know what? I didn't have to know from God what he was going to do. In fact, I didn't really care what he was going to do. I didn't even ask him, Lord, what do I do when I get there? I knew what to do when I If you go into somebody's house, you knock on the door. It's not rocket science. If he showed you a house and he said, go there, he didn't want me to go there and sit. Maybe if, if he just said, go and sit in front of it, then I'd have known. But, but I knew I needed to go and knock on the door. So I walked up to that house. He said, who's who? My friend said, who lives here? I said, I don't know. He said, well, what are you going to do? I said, we're going to knock on the door. We knocked on the door. When we knocked on the door, a woman answered the door. And of course, you know, here I am. I'm this tall, you know, uh, Hispanic kid. And I got this guy next to me. He's Hispanic, but he looks black. I mean, he's dark, dark skinned Hispanic. And uh, so she's not, you know, she's not, she don't know us. So she cracks the door. She said, can I help you? I said, yes, ma'am. I said, I was walking to the, we were walking to the hospital and I said, and the Lord showed me your house in a vision. When I said, the Lord said, the Lord showed me something, she swung that door open. She says, my God, she said, come in, come in, come in. My friend is looking at me like, what is going on? What is happening? We walked into that house and this woman is crying and she begins to tell the story. To us about her husband, how her husband has just left her and her daughter, just up and left him. No, no food, no money, no support. She doesn't even know where he is, but he's gone, and he thinks that she thinks that he's going to leave her and and divorce her because that's what he said. She hadn't seen him for two weeks. Well, that day I had listened to Shambach on the radio. And Brother Shambach had told a story of a woman. Uh, Brother Shambach had been preaching a message, God's never too late. And he said this woman came, and uh, after he preached that message, she handed Brother Shambach a piece of paper. She said, now tell me God's never too late. And he said, he picked up the paper, and it said, decree of divorce. The divorce paper, papers were in her hands. And he said he took that, them divorce papers. I don't know. I don't remember if he ripped them in half and threw them under the pulpit. All I know is that he threw them, he threw them aside and he looked that woman in the face. He said, God is never too late. In that Shambach way, you know. <laughs> and he said he laid hands on her and he said this. He said, Holy Ghost, sick him. Get a hold of that devil. Save him and fill him with the Holy Ghost and bring him back to his family where he belongs. So I told that woman that story. I said, God has never, I gave her the scripture and everything that Shambach used. I told her that, I told her that story. I said, we're going to pray the same way for you. I laid hands on her. I said, Holy Ghost, sick him. Get a hold of that devil. Save him and fill him with the Holy Ghost and bring him back uh, to his family where he belongs. Man, she fell out under the power of God. When she fell out, me and my friend left. It was done. We went to the hospital. About a week and a half later, it was on a Wednesday night, I'm at church. I, I, I would take the school bus to the church on Wednesday so I wouldn't have to have my grandparents. Stay. They were always running kind of late, and I didn't like running late. 
So at three o'clock, I'd be at the church and I'd play the guitar and I'd worship God and I'd pray from three until seven when church started. So I'm in there at about 5.30, 6 o'clock, I'm in there and I remember I was on my knees praying and I heard the, the door of the church, church doors open up and someone walk in. Well, I, I looked up and there was this big, burly, a rough looking Mexican dude walk in the door. And so I stood up and I went back to uh, greet him and to he didn't, look, he didn't look like, if he was saved, he hadn't been saved long. He looked like Lazarus coming out of it. You know what I'm saying? He still had his grave clothes on. He still, <laughs> he still had his grave clothes on. So I, he, looked, he looked mean. So I, I said, yeah, can I, you know, pastor wasn't there. Nobody was there. I was the only one there that early. I said, uh, can I help you? You know, and like I'm going to help him. I, you know, wet behind the ears or whatever. And he says, and uh, back, back then, they, my nickname was uh, Shaggy back in Ohio. They still called me that. They called me Ziggy in Oklahoma, but Shaggy in Ohio. He says, yeah. He says, uh, do you know Shaggy? I was like, I might know him. I'm, uh, you know. <laughs> I was like, I might know him. Who are you? He says, you're him, aren't you? And I said, maybe. <laughs> Man, tears filled his eyes. And he, he grabbed me up in a bear hug. And I mean, I thought he was gonna, I thought he was gonna break me in half. He hugged me harder than Shree. And <laughs> sometimes sometimes Shree will grab me if you feel like she's gonna pinch you in two. But man, he grabbed me and got me in this big old bear, lifted my feet off the ground. And I'm I'm like, what's going on? And tears filled his eyes. He said, I just came here, he said, because I wanted you to know, he said, uh, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, he said, you showed up at my house, knocked on the door, my wife was there. I had left my wife and my daughter, and my wife told me that you laid hands on her and you prayed for her, and you prayed that God would get a hold of my life. He said, well, last Friday, I went to a tent meeting. I got saved, and I got filled with the Holy Ghost, and I'm back with my family where I belong. The Lord did something in my life. You know, when we, when we follow the Holy Ghost, yeah. Yeah. glory to God. Stand up with me, will you? Kona man jandene ma fredea. Or bondene ma harabo se kechebene. Ene man se mfrendrengdene ma shea. Tolboro soporo botea. Entene ma ribo. Hara soporo droshe delegeche. Hara fredea robo sekala. Mana man chene mesea. Borro sobongele. Listen, getting words of knowledge may not make you popular either. I think I, I mean, I've told this to somebody recently. Maybe, maybe it was... Um, to the McMillans that I was in Florida preaching and it's in a big church, about 3,000 people. And this girl comes in the meeting and she's just a mess. You know, you can tell she's a mess. She came in late and she's just a crying and a boohooing. And I knew there's something off with her though. You know, it wasn't, but sometimes the Lord doesn't show you anything, you know, sometimes if God don't listen, if God doesn't show you nothing, sometimes you know, it depends on when you get when you get in there. Sometimes the Lord will let you mess with him. He'll if you push for somebody, he'll 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 give you some insight to help them. But at other times, it doesn't matter how much you beg or cry or plead, he's not going to tell you a thing about some people. It's by the will of the Spirit. And so I'm in there, and this girl, she's in this meeting, and after service, she the pastor's wife was talking with her. 
You know, like I said, there's 3,000 people in this meeting. I prayed for several people after church, and then um, most people left, and we're sitting at the altar with this girl, and I'm, I'm just waiting on the pastor because we're supposed to go grab something to eat. And, and, but this girl is going into this story about how that her parents have turned on her. They, they turned her in for uh, driving her brother's car, and, and, and uh, it was her you know, brother let her take it, and this and that and the other, but now the police are after her, and she just doesn't understand, and, and she's just going through this, uh, I mean, this whole story of how she's going through difficulty. And the pastor's wife had been a teacher in the Christian school, and this was one of her old students. And so she's, of course, her heart's going out to this girl. She says, you know what? We need to talk to your, let's get your mother in here. We need to talk about this. Let's talk about this, you know? And, and uh, so they said, well, first let's pray and we'll pray. And then we're going to, you know, I, I, I'll call your mother and we'll have her come over. And so they started praying and I, I'm just sitting there minding my own business. And, you know, I'm praying with them. I'm in agreement. I'm not praying. You know, some people, they say, you know, pray hard. I wouldn't like praying hard, but I was praying, you know. I'm just praying in tongues. I got my hand pointed toward her, and I put my hand on her. And when I put my hand on her, I got a word of knowledge. You know what the Lord told me? He said, reason why she's in trouble is because uh, she's given place to a spirit of sexual perversion. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There was nothing in the natural that indicated that this girl had given herself over to a spirit of sexual perversion. She looked just normal. There was nothing that was in her story that sounded like that might be the truth. Nothing. Nothing. But you know what? I've gotten words of knowledge. I've gotten, by then I'd had lots of words of knowledge. I knew exactly that that was the Lord. But you know what? I wasn't about to just offer up that kind of, inf you know what I'm saying? Sometimes God will tell you something, but you ain't got no business sharing it. And so I was just like, well, <laughs> glory to God. Amen. <laughs> I wasn't, and I wasn't, I wasn't in an inquiring mind. I didn't want to know no more. So I was just like, glory to God, Lord, to help her. And so we got done praying and the pastor's wife looks over at me and she says, well, brother Ziggy, did the Lord show you anything when you pray? Now, listen, I'm going to tell you something. There are people in church that have been in church all their lives that, that, that say they believe in the gifts of the spirit and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. And they say that, but some of them have never, they've, some of them have never really seen a real manifestation of them. Some of them have never really seen a real manifestation of the spirit. I mean, it would shock you. It would shock you. It shocks me. She said, Brother Ziggy, did you hear anything for this guy? I said, as a matter of fact, I did. <laughs> I don't know why I thought this would go over well. I don't know why I thought it was just, this was going to be an easy thing to share. So I was like, yeah. I said, I, I looked at the girl and I said, the Lord tells me that the root cause of your trouble is that you've given yourself over to a spirit of sexual perversion. When I said that, the pastor's mouth dropped to the ground. His wife looked at me like, are you crazy? And that girl, that girl, that girl looks at me, Lindsay, and I, all of a sudden, her whole countenance changed, and she became angry. 
She says, a spirit of sexual perversion. Yeah, I was raped and this and that. And she's like, oh, nah, nah, nah. she went in all this like she had been this victim of, of, all, this, of, all, the, of all these things. And I'm just telling what I heard. <laughs> Literally, the pastor and his wife, I was sitting there next to them. They pulled her away from me. <laughs> And continued to, you know, just kind of coddle her and it's okay. It'll be all right. Well, this girl was part Cuban. Her mother was Cuban. So we're walking out because her mother's showing up there at the church. As we're walking out, this Cuban mother, Cuban mother's a lot like Puerto Rican mothers. (laughs) You don't mess with Puerto Rican women. I'm going to tell you right now. Puerto Rican women are friendly until they're not. So... And it don't matter how quiet they are either. Listen, my, my grandmother, she's a quiet lady until she wasn't. And so this, this Cuban mother comes up. She says, and right away, she goes to this girl. She's got her finger point. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> she's like, how dare you? How dare you come to this church? And I don't know what you have told these people here. She said, but you have embarrassed me and you have embarrassed your father and you want to embarrass me. I'm going to embarrass you in front of everybody. That's a Puerto Rican thing. I'm going to embarrass you in front of everybody. And she, she went on and she's like, do you know, goes to the pastor, do you know what she did to me, Debbie? Do you know what I caught her doing, Debbie? That's pastor's wife. And, and the pastor's wife is just like, She's, she's seeing this woman in a way she's never seen her. She said, when I came home today, I walked in on her and her boyfriend. They have pornography playing on the television. They have sex toys all over the place. They're into all this. And she begins to tell all these things. Listen, I'm, 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 just, I'm just standing there. I'm like, oh, dear God. As, as the mother is telling this, that pastor and his wife were looking at me like, my God. It's like all of a sudden they realize that all these people that they thought maybe were fake or that some people had coincidentally heard things, now all of a sudden they're thinking, you know, they never invited me back after that. <laughs> In fact, I'm going to tell you, that's where we got our name, Winner's Church, was from that church. They never invited me back. I'm like, that's all right. I'll just start a church, call it Winner's Church. (laughs) I didn't say that. But anyway, (laughs) but I did take the name. Anyway, uh, I probably should have sent him an offering. But anyhow, but there was, that's a word of knowledge. And so sometimes it'll be embraced. Sometimes Sometimes you'll hear a word like that and you'll be like, man, it's a good word. But other times when God gives you a word of knowledge, <laughs> can I tell you one more? No, and I'm not about you. I was preaching in a church in Fremont, Ohio. I, I was there for four days. We couldn't get a breakthrough. We couldn't get a breakthrough. I finally figured out the reason why the pastor had us at this church was because he knew we would draw a crowd, and so before I'd get up and preach, he would get up and he'd start calling people out and ministering to them, and then he'd give me the service an hour later after he'd already wore everybody out by giving them words and this and that. And he was giving them words, and they would be, they would be on target until the end. Then they'd go clear off and left field. And I thought, man, Lord, you know, what's this guy doing? 
So I kept trying to preach. It just wasn't working out. Last night in the meeting, I was, I was determined I was going to preach. The Lord finally told me while I was sitting in the service during the worship part of the service, he said, I didn't send you here to preach to these people. I sent you here to give that pastor a word. I was like, Lord, I ain't, gonna, I ain't, I ain't about that. I ain't about that, Lord. I ain't about that. I ain't doing that. I'm, I'm going to get out of here because the Lord used me that way. He'll send me to say stuff to people no one else wants to say. Like that girl, spirit of sexual perversion. Listen, if you'll be available to God, God will use you. But he's got to be able to trust you. Are y'all hearing me today? Boy, I've, I've really been in there today. I'm telling you, the spirit of God's working here. <laughs> I got up there, I tried to preach, Gil. Man, I even got, I, I got, my, I got my best sermon ready. I have, a ser- I have sermons. I don't preach much, but I, I have sermons. And, and I have about two weeks worth. <laughs> and I, I got, yeah, some of them are sandbox, but I mean, I, I had a real nice, you know, and, and it was my, it's my best one. And I thought this don't get them, nothing will. And nothing was going to, I'll tell you. So I was, I'm up there and I'm just, a, I'm trying to preach and man, I'm trying to press through and I'm trying to preach Brandon. And I got my finger and, and, and I'm, I'm in the middle. I'm like, man this ain't working. And, and the spirit of the Lord came on me and, and the Lord said, tell him. I said, tell him what Lord? He said, tell him that he, at one time he operated in the spirit, but he hadn't operated in the spirit in a long time. He's given himself over to a familiar spirit. Tell him if he'll repent, I'll, I'll restore him. Tell him, I'll, uh, tell him if, if he'll repent, he said he'll suffer loss, but I'll restore him. He says if he doesn't repent, he will lose, he said he will lose everything. Everything will be taken that he has, everything. So I turned around, I looked at him, I said, the Lord says, and I told him what God told me. I said, You've given yourself over to a wrong spirit. You started in the spirit, but now you've given yourself over to a familiar spirit. If you'll repent, you'll suffer loss, but God will restore you. If you won't repent, you will lose everything. And then the spirit of God came on me and literally, literally spun me around. And when he's, because he was sitting on the front row. And when he spun me around, my finger stopped pointing at his wife who was sitting on the platform. And out of my mouth came, and you knew, and you didn't do anything about it. And when I said that, she fell out of her chair on her face and began to weep and cry before God. That pastor hit his knees. And listen, again, the Spirit of God spun me around. And the, the guy is uh, on the keyboard, the worship leader. At my fingers pointing at him, and I said, and "No, you ran." <laughs> and out of my mouth came, "You are a practicing homosexual." <laughs> I said, "You have given yourself over to a spirit of homosexuality, and you're full blown in the life lifestyle of homosexuality and these songs that you sing you stole them from God's people you stole them from men there were men that pressed into the presence of God and you claimed those songs to be your own and they weren't your own you stole them from another I can't remember the rest of the word I gave him but it was scary Melody this is the last night of revival 
was the last night of revival. Last scheduled night of revival. You know what? That guy, that guy fell out there. He, he was, he was, when I, when I talked to them, he was like, you're right. He's, he's, he stole wor- these worship. He claimed these worship songs came out of the spirit and he had stole them when he'd gone to a Kim Clement meeting because they'd come out in the spirit at a Kim Clement meeting. And he was just regurgitating them and, and called them his own, said that God had birthed them out of his spirit. And he was, he was full blown homosexual, had a wife, children, but was living a homosexual lifestyle. It was crazy. You know, I didn't get invited back to that church. I did. Later, le- <laughs> yeah, later, I did see that pastor. He walked in the doors of a church that he didn't know I was ministering at because they'd asked us to come last minute and didn't announce the meetings, and uh, the Spanish church, and he came in and he, st- he stood outside behind. I don't think he repented because he never would come in. Uh, he only stood outside the glass and watched for a while. Him, that worship guy, his wife, all of them were standing out there for a period of time, but eventually they just left. Well, you, there weren't any seats in the auditorium anyhow, so they had to sit out in the foyer. They were, they were out in the foyer standing, looking through uh, some glass, but they just, ended up, they just ended up leaving. So when the word of knowledge happens, one time I went to lay my hands on a woman in Chickasha. The Lord said, don't touch her. She looked like she was repenting. He said, she's not repentant. I haven't pierced her heart with conviction. What she's doing, she's doing to get sympathy from my people in hopes that she can get money from them. He said, don't touch her. He said, but tell her this. This revival, we're in a seven-month revival in Chickasha, Oklahoma. I looked at her. I told her what the Lord, you know what the Lord told me? He said, he said, Lord, I told her this. I said, Lord told me not to touch you. He said, because you're not repentant. These tears that you have are for the purpose of getting sympathy from God's people in hopes to extort uh, material things from them. The Lord said he's going to give you an opportunity to repent. A, a, a spirit of repentance is going to come upon you. You're going to be convicted. And when he convicts you, you have, a, you have a, a time that you can repent. If you'll truly repent before God and receive forgiveness and turn away from your wickedness, God, God, God will, he'll bless you and he'll deliver you. I said, but if you don't, you will die. You will die. That's all I said and I walked away. There, there are 600 people there. Do you know, even after I said it, there were, there were people, oh, darling, he didn't mean that. No, I'm like, yes. He didn't mean that. It's okay. It's okay. You know, because Christians don't know what to do when God says something like that. Yes. We, don't know, we don't know what to do. Some people have never heard or any see, ever seen anything like that. There were some people that were smart enough to just start moving away. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't six months later, we were at another church, and a pastor began to tell us, yeah, there was a woman that came here. She was just so broken, and she, was, she came to the front, and man, she needed so much help, and she was crying, and so we housed her back here. We had a couple that was staying back here in this house, uh, and we, so we told her she could stay with this couple, and we were trying to you know, help her out, rehabilitate her, and, and he, said, um, he said it was so unfortunate uh, what happened one night she was in the kitchen and the couple that was back there uh, heard a noise and this woman took a butcher knife and stabbed herself in the heart with the butcher knife. The Lord spoke to me immediately and said, it's the woman 
that you gave that word to in Chickasha. I asked around, and you know what I found out? It was the woman that I'd given that word to. She died instead of repenting. A horrible death, sticking a knife in her chest in suicide. See, the, the word of knowledge is a powerful gift. It's, it really is a God, a supernatural God-given thing. Amen. Amen. See, my, my prayer is, is that you will understand that these aren't toys to play with. These are things that God wants to use to help mankind. And God will use you. God will use you to help people to be delivered from destruction and from darkness. If you'll let him. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for what you're doing here today, Lord. We pray, God, that as we leave out of here tonight, that we'll leave out of here stirred up by your spirit to go and to do, Lord, these things that you've anointed us and called us to do. God, we're not going to step out away from your spirit. We're going to walk after your spirit and obey him and allow him to work in us in the measure, Lord, that you desire uh, to work. We thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father. Holy Ghost, have your way in us. Do your work through us in Jesus' name. Everybody that believed it said amen. 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 I know, I'm, again, once again, long-winded, but...